0: Welcome to the Valleybrook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our Jesus Continued Sermon Series. This series digs deeper into who the Holy Spirit is, the Spirit's role, and why God desires for us to live Spirit-led lives. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website at www.valleybrook.cc, select Contact Us, and send us an email.
1: Well, good morning again. At this time, we're gonna release the kids age four through grade five to go to their classes in the children's ministry wing. So as you know, we're in the middle of a series called Jesus Continued, why uh, the Holy Spirit inside us is better than Jesus beside us. It's, it's uh, something uh, that I learned from uh, another uh, pastor. Uh, that, that title reminds me of what scripture says about how Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. And Over today and the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at how we experience the Holy Spirit. Today, we're going to be looking at how we experience it through the spiritual gifts and through the church. But as we've been doing this all through this series, we've been asking people, what's the Holy Spirit doing in your life, and would you be willing to share with us what the Holy Spirit's doing. So let me say this, if the Holy Spirit's been doing something in your life and you are willing to come up front and share it with us, we would love to know that. Please just send me an email because we'd love to get in touch with you and uh, do that. I'm gonna invite Cindy Smith to come up. She shared with the story of me what the Holy Spirit's doing in her, her life and I wanted to let her come and share that with you this morning.
0: Good morning. My mom died in November and since then dad's been alone in Florida. It's his choice but his three children live in Connecticut and Massachusetts. In January, Steve, my husband, who's back there in the AB booth, wave. OK. <laughs> Plan this amazing vacation in Colorado starting July 1st. We're going to fly into Denver. We're going to drive a few hours, visit some beautiful site, drive some more, visit another beautiful national park, stay in a hotel, get up and see some other beautiful creation of gods, and we're going to do this for eight days. Meanwhile, my niece is planning an Alaskan tour for my sister's 60th birthday from June 26th through July 3rd. This includes her son and daughter-in-law flying in from Jakarta to be with them. Then my dad calls. He says he's scheduled to have open heart surgery on June 30th. Both of us are unavailable to be there for him. We are all so scheduled that we are unavailable to be there. The next day, I'm sitting in school and feel the Holy Spirit nudge me to be there, at least for the surgery, and meet Steve in Colorado on the 1st. I text Steve and tell him my idea. But God had other ideas and had also been using the Holy Spirit to nudge Steve, giving us the same idea at the same time in different locations. This is the return text I got. I checked our vacation hotels, rental car, and flights, and all can be canceled, so we can be with Gramps. I think Gramps needs us to be there at least for one week after the operation. He also had been in contact with my sister, who felt very relieved that we would be there while she was in Alaska. Boy, do I have the best husband ever? But not just because he was willing to cancel all the plans he painstakingly made, but because he listened to the Holy Spirit nudging him, and so we are on the same page and at peace about the decision. In the meantime, my daughter, who is a doctor, suggested that he get a second opinion because he had no symptoms and because for someone his age, it's a very risky surgery. At first, he said no, but after thinking about it, And perhaps the Holy Spirit was nudging him also. My dad decided to have his latest record sent to his cardiologist at Yukon, who graciously agreed to take some time from his busy schedule to do this. After the Yukon doctor and the two Florida doctors talked about it, it was decided that he did not need the bypass, so all he needs is a valve replacement, which can be done through the groin as an outpatient procedure in the office. Yay, God. We are still going to Florida to be with my dad, but instead of helping him recover from major surgery, we can enjoy his company. The Holy Spirit let me realize that the national parks and all the wonderful things we were gonna see in Denver will be there forever. But my dad will not be on Earth forever, and I need to enjoy him while I can. Wouldn't you wanna spend more time with your dad?
1: Yes, yeah. Cindy, thanks for sharing that story. I wanna pray for you, and yes, please show your appreciation. And I want to pray for all of us that we'll be in tune to the Holy Spirit. Father, I just thank you for the way that you worked in Cindy and in Steve and in their relationship, how you spoke to them both and they had ears to hear and listen. So I pray for blessings for her dad and his surgery. I pray that they would continue to listen to the Holy Spirit. And I pray that for all of us, that we would listen and we would follow. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again, Cindy. So I think by now, all of you know what our mission as a church is. It's to love God, love people, and change the world. And I truly believe this, that if we put God first and love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and if we love our neighbor as ourselves, putting people next, that God will use us to change the world. That's his plan. You know, read scripture, that's his plan. So uh, with that in mind, you have to understand that as a, as a pastor who felt God's call to plant a church, I can still remember moving here 18 years ago not knowing anybody and trusting that God was going to bring followers of Jesus together with us to help us start a church that would help us love God and love people and change the world, bringing people to Christ and building up people who were already believers I still remember one time in our life as a church where several of our, mover, some, several of our leaders uh, had to move across the country for job transfers. And I, and I remember just being beside myself and praying to God, you know, how are we gonna replace this woman? How are we gonna replace this guy? You know, what are we gonna do? And as I was praying, I felt God say, and I didn't hear an audible voice, but it just felt it in my spirit. Spoke to me in my head. Put this, put this thought in my head. Clark, I don't need her. I don't need him to do what I'm going to do. And Clark, I don't need you to do what I'm going to do. But I want the body of Christ to come around what we're doing. And so I want you to be a part of it. So so God doesn't need us, but here's the deal. God gives us talents and skills and ability and time and life to be able to be the body of Christ and do those things that we need. Remember that The body of Christ worldwide is primarily a volunteer run organization by people realizing that they've been called to serve, that they've been gifted to serve, and we do that. So today we're gonna talk about how we experience the Holy Spirit through the gifts that he gives us and through the church. So let me pray. Father, as we come to this time today, I pray that you would speak to us, that you would work in our lives to understand what you have for us, and then that you would give us faith to follow that we pray this in jesus name here's what i've learned about god god wants his church to succeed and by succeed he means to fulfill the great commission for the sake of the world so that so that all people would come to faith in jesus christ and that their life would not end at their death but they would live on in eternity remember what jesus said jesus said i will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, he didn't say, you will build my church. He said, I will build my church. And because this is true, God has provided for the needs of the church worldwide and and the local church by giving us gifts, giving gifts to his sons and his daughters for building up the church and reaching people with the good news of Jesus. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to build his church through reaching people for Christ, and by using our gifts to encourage and build up fellow believers. And here's what we should realize. God will build his church. He'll build it with us or without us. Where do you want to be? So here's, here's the question, that, sort of the driving question that I want to ask us today. What are you doing in the body of Christ with your giftedness. What are you doing in the body of Christ with your giftedness? Once you decide that you want to be a part of what God is doing, then you need to understand that as His follower, not only has He poured out the Holy Spirit into your life, but He's also equipped you to serve in His body. <clears throat> Listen to what we read in 2 Corinthians. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing. What is to come? So let's, let's look at that in reverse order. What's to come? Eternal life. He's put the Holy Spirit in us to be our teacher, our guide, our comforter, guaranteeing our place in eternity, but also guaranteeing that God, the Holy Spirit, is with us to teach us, to guide us, to comfort us in this life. And he's put his seal of ownership on us. What does that mean? He said, you're my daughter. You're my son, you're my beloved child, and you are part of my family. And we receive that seal through the Holy Spirit by faith in Jesus Christ. But then it also says that he has anointed us so we could stand firm in our faith. What is that anointing? It's the gifting that he's given us to serve him. Let me just remind you, if you go back and study scripture about anointings, we go all the way back to the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, and in that you see that when God called out the priesthood, Aaron and his sons were the first priests, they were anointed to serve. And all the priesthood afterwards, they would anoint them with oil and prayer, and they were anointed to serve. And then when you look at all of the kings, beginning with Saul and all the way through, uh, read in First Kings, Second Kings and and First and Second Samuel and, and the Chronicles, you see that every king, whether it was Israel or Judah, almost always they were anointed to serve as the leader of their country. Those kings were And people were anointed as a blessing, and people were anointed for healing, and even Jesus was anointed for burial. He was prepared for that. It was a blessing that was given them to be able to serve. So in this verse, we see that God's anointing gives each of us a special endowment of the Holy Spirit's power. We call those endowments spiritual gifts. I want to share with you a, a little insight. I've been encouraging folks to read a book by J.D. Greer. It's, it's called Jesus Continue, which we took the title of our, our series from. And he writes this. He said, most spiritual gifts are assigned somewhere as just duties for all believers. For example, God commands all believers to serve God commands all believers to evangelize. God commands believers to prophesy, to pray for healing, to intercede for others, to trust God for provisions, to be generous, to exhort one another, and so on. He said, but some believers are particularly effective in one or more of those things. And this unusual effectiveness is a sign of a spiritual gifting. So if you've experienced in yourself or observed in somebody else, another follower of Jesus, an unusual effectiveness in serving God in some area with some gift, some talent, that's a sign that God has gifted you with a spiritual gift to be used in the body of Christ. So as I said, we're going to be talking about this to start off with. One of the ways we experience the Holy Spirit is through his gifts. This is what the Bible says about spiritual gifts. Coming from 1 Corinthians. Now God gives us many kinds of special abilities, but it is the same Holy Spirit who is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service to God, but it is the same Lord we're serving. God gives us many kinds of special abilities. These gifts are from the Holy Spirit. When you look at some of the examples of these gifts, you'll see that they're giftings, that build up other people, that encourage them when we use them. Whether it's to bring them to faith in Christ or to encourage them into a deeper relationship with God. Paul tells the church in Corinth, he says this. He says, Since you are eager to have the special abilities the Spirit gives, seek those that will strengthen the whole church. And then he writes to his protege, Timothy. He was a young leader that he was mentoring. And he said this, Timothy, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. So I point out these two verses because there are two parts to receiving a gift. First, the gift has been placed in each one of us by the Holy Spirit. Each of us has been anointed with a special ability that we're supposed to use to strengthen the church, to reach people for Christ. It's something the Holy Spirit puts in every believer. The Holy Spirit does the first part. The second part happens in our lives we have to do that second part, which means that we recognize that we've been given a spiritual gift. And to truly receive a gift means that we need to accept it and begin to use it. This is what the Apostle James said. He said, every good and perfect gift comes from God. So we've been entrusted with a good and a perfect gift from God. And if God, God's given you a gift, but you're not using it, you sort of placed it on your shelf of life? What are you saying to the giver? To the giver of all good gifts? So notice what Paul tells us. He tells us that it must strengthen the church. Now that makes sense, I hope. But let me clarify. The goal of using the spiritual gift that God gives you is not about you being strengthened. Although I will tell you that when you work in your giftedness, You'll be blessed by using it. But but the goal of it is not for your edification. It's for edifying others. It's not for building up you and your reputation or your ego. It's for building up the body of Christ and to be strengthened. Now, let me go back. Remember what Paul said to Timothy? He said, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. Think about that word picture. If you've ever made a fire from a flint and a piece of steel, or if you've watched somebody make a fire that way, you, you know, first of all, you gather some, some really small pieces of combustible material and you strike the, the spark on it from the flint. And, and once the material catches fire, then you put small twigs on it. And then as that begins to burn a little bigger and a little brighter, you may blow on it to get it to, to catch even bigger. And then you put bigger pieces of of twigs on it and then bigger and bigger until you can put logs on it, until you have a, a roaring, blazing fire. That's what Paul is saying to Timothy. He says, you've been given it a spiritual gift. I know it's just a spark, but you need to try it out. You need to fan it into flame. You need to place yourself in opportunities where you can use that gift. You need to get feedback from other people in the body of Christ when you use it. You need to make improvements, you need to hone it. And when that spark becomes a flame, keep using it so it becomes a blazing fire of effectiveness for God. And we'll make this note. Many of the spiritual gifts are also duties or callings that every Christian is supposed to do. We're supposed to be witnesses to evangelize people. We're supposed to serve. We're supposed to to share good words of encouragement with one another. And so I encourage you to be obedient in those callings that we all have. And in doing so, you may discover your spiritual gift. Let's talk a little bit about how to figure out what a spiritual gift is. I'm going to put a picture on the screen, a little diagram In that diagram, you'll see three circles that overlap. Uh, On the top, there's affinity. On the bottom left is ability. On the bottom right is affirmation. A, A spiritual gift usually reveals itself in the confluence of what we are passionate about, what we're good at, and what others affirm us in. And you see right in the middle where all three of those circles intersect the word spiritual gift. So think about that. What are you passionate about? What are you good at? What do other other people compliment about what you do in the body of Christ? And then begin to pour into that and, and test that. Really, we could go through multiple ways on how to discover a spiritual gift. And I'm going to give you a couple other examples in just a minute. But here's where we need to be really honest with ourselves. Time after time, I have seen followers of Jesus Christ, people who have been walking with Jesus for a long time and new followers of Jesus Christ, get stuck on this teaching about spiritual gifts. They get stuck, there's this kind of paralysis of analysis where, where they, they're not sure and they're, not, they're afraid to take a step and, and try it out. Here's what all of us need to do. If we think God has gifted us in a special area, we need to step out in faith. Many of them, as I already said, are things that we're all called to do. Step out in faith and begin to t- test it and trust it. We've all been given an anointing, a spiritual gift from God but we're responsible for using it. Let me just offer you a couple of other examples. In your bulletin, you'll see we're advertising one of our classes on how to discover your area of ministry. It's called Class 301. It's coming up next month. I I encourage you to sign up for that. When you take that class, you're gonna learn some things, but you're also gonna be able to sit down with the leaders to talk about your spiritual gifting and what you think you're inclined to here's the other thing I will offer to you. If you fill out your connection card and say you'd like to meet with a leader one-on-one to discuss what your spiritual gifts may, if you give me that information, we'll make sure that we connect with a leader uh, over the next week so that you can have that one-on-one session. And here's the third thing. I know I sound like a broken record if you've been here over the weeks. Some of the best teaching I've seen on spiritual gifts is found in that book, Jesus Continued. So I encourage you to read it. I want you to consider this. When we realize that God has given us a gifting to use in service to building this church, we're operating in the way that God wants us to. Wouldn't that be fulfilling and exciting and amazing? And wouldn't it be fulfilling and exciting and amazing to see all believers operating in their God-given gifting? Think of what we could accomplish for God. Which leads me to the next way that we experience the spirit we experience the spirit through the body of christ through the church when we gather together maybe in a small group also in a large group as we see people using their gifts together let me remind you of what the apostle paul said in romans 12 he said now to each one the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good He distributes them to each one, just as he determines. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Jesus Christ. What the Apostle Paul is affirming here is that these gifts that are given to you and me, they're given for the common good. We're all given one and we're supposed to use it to build up the body of Christ. This is what he said, the purpose of spiritual gifts are. You can find it in Ephesians chapter four. He says, the purpose of the gifts is to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of fullness of Christ. That's the goal, build up the body. Reach unity, become mature. So we are to use these gifts for building up the body to encourage one another. And this points out something, that we're each given our gift to do our part. You know what that tells me? We're better together. We're better together. Look, I know we live in a country where independence is really honored and valued. But in the body of Christ, we're not supposed to be lone rangers. We're supposed to be connected. We're supposed to work together. We're, that's why it's called a body. We each have a part that we're supposed to do. Now listen, I I realize I haven't told you what the spiritual gifts are. I'm going to give you those lists in a minute, but here's something I want you to know. In fact, it's something you need to know because, because the Holy Spirit gives us all these gifts. They're all supernatural. Does that make sense? Because they come from God, they're all supernatural. You may have a natural talent that's the same as your... Spiritual gift, and that's okay, but because the Holy Spirit has given it to you to build up the body, it's supernatural. Now, and you'll look at these gifts and you say, Well, what? some of them look normal. They do. Whether it's something as normal as serving, or as, as the gift of serving, or as miraculous as the gift of healing, they're all supernatural because they're given by the Holy Spirit. So, uh, we're going to put a list of Uh, on the screen, and I would encourage you to write these down. These are three places where you can find some list of the gifts of the Spirit. Romans, 1 Corinthians, Ephesians. I'm gonna read them for you, okay? First, in Romans. Romans. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. And then from the book of Ephesians, where Paul's talking about what the Holy Spirit says, he says, Christ gave us these gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now, before I gave you this list of gifts, I said they were a list of some of the gifts. The apostle Paul doesn't give us an exhaustive list of the gifts. For instance, art, art, and music are not mentioned in those gifts but in other places we see them lifted up as gifts and there's so many other things so uh, i don't believe there's an exhaustive list in scripture remember what it says in ephesians the holy spirit gave us gifts so that the body of christ will be built up so that it will reach unity in the faith and so that it will become mature so so don't be dismayed if you saw those lists and you don't think that there's a gift in there for you. That's okay. That's okay because it's not an exhaustive list. Uh, if you have a gifting that you believe God has given you and it builds up the body of Christ, if it helps people reach unity in their faith and helps them become mature, then you're beginning to come into tune and touch with the spiritual gift that God's given you. Now, as I said, all of the gifts are supernatural. All right. There are some that are, are, look very um, mundane, like the gift of serve, serving, and some that look miraculous, like the gift of healing. So let me say something about what I would classify the more miraculous gifts. Gifts like prophecy, gifts like healing, gifts like speaking in tongues, and so on. This is what I've observed over my 30-plus years of being a follower of Christ. When it comes to those more miraculous gifts, people struggle in one way or another. Some people just are flat out afraid of them and they don't know what to do with them and so they ignore them. Other people are like obsessed with them and that's all they can talk about. Uh, some people uh, say this. They say, you know what? The, the miraculous gifts of the Spirit were just for the first century church and not afterwards. Other people say, you know, no, those miraculous gifts are significant. They're sign gifts. They tell people that you're truly a Christian if you have them. So, So let me... Let me deal with those things. All through this series, we've said, we need to have a healthy balance of God's word and God's spirit, and we need to let that balance come in right now. Here's something that you need to know. There is nothing to fear about the spiritual gifts, not even the miraculous ones. Remember what Paul wrote in Timothy. He said, God has not given us a spirit of fear, and timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. So if we follow the teaching of the scripture and use use our gifts accordingly, as Paul says, then we will build up the body of Christ. We will help the body of Christ reach unity in the faith and we will help the body of Christ become mature, individually and corporately. Here's what you need to know. There is nothing in scripture that says that the miraculous gifts of the Spirit were just for the first century church. There is no place in scripture that says that. Here's something else you'll find. There's no place in scripture that says certain gifts are sign gifts to the world that you're truly a Christian. But scripture does instruct us how to use and function with those more miraculous gifts. Um, If you want to know how to operate with the gift of speaking in tongues, read 1 Corinthians 14. There's so much instruction there about it. And uh, if you want to understand prophecy, uh, that's important too. In in 1 Corinthians 14, again, it says this. This is the purpose of prophecy. Prophecy is given to people for their strengthening, for their encouraging, and for their comfort. There's nothing weird about that. And in fact, in Scripture, even tells us how to handle prophetic words. This is what Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica. He says, Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. So, so he says, listen, if somebody shares with you that, that they think they have a, have a word for you, you, just test it with Scripture. If it builds you up, if it encourages you, if it comforts you, it's what God says. I mean, it's interesting, if you go back to that list that I read from Romans, Corinthians, and Ephesians, one gift was in all of them. It was prophecy. If it's in God's word, we have to come to terms with it and not be afraid of it. Here's what you also need to know. Prophecy is not on the same level as God's word, all right? God's word is our authority, all right? So somebody who has the gift of prophecy is not writing scripture, but they are sharing a word from God that he's revealed to them to strengthen and encourage and in comfort. So here's what we need to know. The gifts of the Spirit were given to build up the body of Christ. Jesus tells us that God our Father has given us good gifts. So we need to embrace gifts that he's given. We need to explore them. We need to to experiment in using what we think our gifts are and we need to use them in accordance to build up the body of Christ. I I encourage you to go to God's word and study. I encourage you to find material that will help you grow in your understanding. But let me remind you of one thing. I I quoted J.D. Greer earlier and, and he makes a very good point. Most of the spiritual gifts in that list have been commanded of all followers of Jesus to use as commands to fulfill them. Yes, when you, when you have a special ability in it, it's probably evidence that God has gifted you to, in a spiritual gift in that area, but, but most of these areas, we've all been called to follow. And if you're unusually effective in that area, it's probably a spiritual gift, but we all have to walk in obedience to the commands of God. And when we do that, It blesses the body of Christ. It blesses brothers and sisters in Christ. It builds up people. It reaches people with the gospel. So what does that mean for each of us? It means that we need to lean into being obedient to what Scripture commands us. We're called to serve. We're called to encourage. We're called to bless one another. We're called to exhort one another. Even if it's not your spiritual gift, you're called to do this as a follower of Jesus Christ. It also means this. Sometimes in the body of Christ, we have more needs than we have people who are gifting. You know, right now, there's Sunday school going over in the children's wing. You know, the reality is, sometimes we have more need for teachers, for classes than we have people who operate in the gifting of teaching. And so sometimes you may be called to teach even though it's not your area of giftedness. And that's okay. As followers of Christ, we serve. Now let me go back to that question that I started with. What are you doing in the body of Christ with your giftedness? Look, we experience the Holy Spirit when we realize he's gifted us. We experience the Holy Spirit when we realize he's given us this group of believers to encourage and and build up one another by using our, our spiritual gifts. So what are you doing in the body of Christ with your giftedness? What I want to share with you is this. God's called us to serve. He's called us to be connected. and I want to share with you an observation that, that I hear as a follower of Jesus. You know, oftentimes when I meet new guests at Valleybrook, and we're glad you're here and we invite you to come back, when, when I meet them, one of the things they tell me about Valleybrook is we're a very friendly church. And that's awesome. And I'm so proud of you to hear that. But take this seriously. Followers of Jesus Christ, we're called to be more than friendly. We're called to be more than friendly. We're called to do life together. We're called to serve one another and build one another up. We're called to be a community that's centered around the the cross of Jesus Christ. We're called to be more than friends. Called to encourage and do life together. You know, sometimes I hear brothers and sisters of Christ say, you know, I wish I had more time but I'm just so busy. I get it. I can be busy. We, we can all be busy. I, and you know, I can neglect my brothers and sisters of Christ and building up the body of Christ with, with my giftings and just with my basic callings. Here's what a truth that I want to tell you. It doesn't come from Scripture, but I heard a pastor say it years ago. Satan doesn't have to make you bad. He just has to make you busy. just has to make you busy. When you're too busy to walk in obedience to Jesus, when you're too busy to walk in your giftedness and build up the body of Christ, that's a problem. That's a problem. So I I think we need to check in our spirit. I'm glad we're friendly, but I don't want us to be so busy that we don't connect. And make relationships and do life together. And so I want to challenge you to operate in your giftedness this summer. I want to challenge you with the rest of your life to operate in. I want to encourage you to get together with people, people that you meet that are new and people that maybe you've known for a while and do life with them. It's a great summertime for barbecues and inviting people over to sit on the in the backyard and have some lemonade and iced tea just to, to get together and talk and encourage. And even take a risk to share what Jesus is doing in your life. And even take a risk to pray with one another. And and to do those things that encourage one another and build up the body of Christ. It's so important that we do that. So what are you doing in the body of Christ with your giftedness? What are you doing? We're going to close with a song. And I know we've sung in a Dozen times. It's called Oceans. You may, some of you may know it by heart. There's a bridge in the song, and when you get to that bridge today, and I'm going to read it to you in just a minute, when you get to, get to the bridge, I want you to pray it. You know, pray it as you sing it, but really, you know, concentrate on it and pray it. Here's what it says Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander, and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. So, what are you doing in the body of Christ with your gift in this? I think we need to say, Lord, take us where our trust without borders and pray that today. So I'm gonna invite you to stand up right now. I'm gonna pray us into this song, and as we sing this song, when it gets to that bridge, don't go on autopilot. Pray it as you sing. All right? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your giftedness. Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit that blesses us with giftings, blesses us with the ability to build one another up and honor you. We thank you for the calling that you have on each one of our lives and Lord, we want to be faithful with what you've gifted with us with and use it in the body. And Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us where our trust is without borders. Help us walk upon the waters of this life wherever you would call us. Help us build up the body and encourage one another and reach people for Christ. Take us deeper than we could ever wander. Give us faith that's stronger and help us trust you. You're a good, good father who gives us a good, good spirit to be with us, to gift us and to strengthen us and who will never leave us alone. So we want to walk in that faith. We pray this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website
1: at www.valleybrook.cc.